0: will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Last week we talked about the courageous heart. The week before that, the strong spirit. We've been picking up with our Horizon series Looking at what is necessary for us to live in the promised land and to prosper in that area of our life. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. If you want to follow along with me in my notes, you can access them on the YouVersion Bible app. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe. Say, observe. To do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, turn out to it from the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may, say, observe. observe. To do according to all that is written there, and for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. So this word observe can be defined as to notice or perceive something and register as it being significant or to fulfill or comply with. To take notice of by appropriate conduct, to conform one's action or practice to, to obey, or to comply with. The Hebrew word here for observe is shamar, which means to keep, to watch, to preserve, to guard, to attend to, to hedge about with thorns. God is telling Joshua he has to be strong, he has to be courageous but he also has to be an observer. We talked about what it meant to be strong, what it meant to be courageous. But in order for Joshua to be successful and prosperous in the promised land, he has to be an observer. So here are three things the observer does. The observer sees the word as important and therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. The observer sees the word as important And therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. So say it with me. Say the observer sees the word as important, and therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Be strong, be courageous, be an observer. Proverbs chapter 6. You have to think about Joshua. He had to make time for the work. We all say, well, we're busy. Everybody's busy. But Joshua was really busy. Not only is he the warring general, he is the leader of the nation. He had to do everything that Moses did, plus lead the people to battle. God said to Joshua, you're going to do what Moses couldn't do and what Moses didn't do. So imagine the daily agenda and the daily load that was upon Joshua. Yet he still had to find time to get the word in. It's easier for us to get the word in because we can get it on our iPhone, our iPad, our devices. We can pull it out, look at a scripture, I got some word. Joshua didn't have that. He couldn't download a scripture. He had scrolls that he had to take time to open the scroll, find out wherever he left off at, and keep going. Proverbs 6, verse 20 says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually, say continually, upon your heart and tie them about your neck. When you go, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall keep you, and when you awake, it shall talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman and from flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Continually reading, speaking, and meditating the word is a key to being an observer of the word. Notice He said you should meditate it day and night. The word meditate means to mutter. It means to say. It means to think on. It means to study. It means to imagine. Notice he didn't say in the morning. He said day and night. Notice this. Put it on your heart continually, which means you have to look for time throughout the day to put the word on the inside if you really want to be an observer. So continually reading, speaking, and meditating the word is a key to being an observer of the word. When you make time for the word continually, not just one day, continually, it will speak to you throughout the day, and it will guide you. Because whatever you meditate on is going to pop up in your head later on in the day. Now, we all know how to meditate on things. Some of us meditate on things by accident. Do I have any parents of grandparents of toddlers in right now, here right now? Think about the song of the show that annoys you the most. You could not be thinking of it and walking through the day, and you start singing it. You're like, where did that come from? While your toddler has been watching it, you've heard it, so you've been meditating on that song. You can be going like, well, I'm going to go out and do nothing kid-related. I was at a Braves game the other week. Just walking into the Braves game, me and a friend of mine, were about to go enjoy a game. And all of a sudden, I started singing the song that my daughter loves from watching on kids' YouTube. And I'm starting humming it. I'm going, what in the world am I doing? Why? She's been watching it again and again. Now it's in my heart it's in my mind. So I'm doing something nothing related, and it comes out. If that can work for an annoying kid's song, how much will the word work for you when it's filled with power? So if you start putting the word in you in the same way and finding time throughout the day to get the word, when you go through your life, the word will speak to you. It's not just you coming, oh, what what does the word say? What do I need to do about this situation? As soon as it pops up, the scripture rises up. The word is talking with you throughout the day. It even says when you wake up, it'll talk to you. There's sometimes when you wake up in the morning, it's like before you're really awake. You haven't had the coffee yet. You haven't really even moved yet. And you're in this kind of state between normal you and sleep you, but your spirit is in a place where it can hear from God. And so if you're continually putting the word and you're going to wake up and you're going to hear a scripture going, I-, I-, I don't know what that's about, but you get through your day. Now I have direction. I didn't even have a chance to ask God for direction. I woke up and direction hit my spirit. Why? Because I continually put the Word in, so now the Word can talk to me. So now it's not just a commandment. Now it's not something I heard. Now it's become sayings to me because now the Word is speaking to me. I heard a man of God say, it's great to speak the Word, but it's even better when the Word speaks to you. So when you make time for the Word continually, it will speak to you throughout the day, and it will guide you. The Word will illuminate your path. It'll show you what to do, and it will guard you from temptation. Proverbs nineteen sixteen says, The one who guards the word guards their soul. So if you're looking to protect the word, which we'll get into a moment, you will protect your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So once again, the observer sees the word as important, and therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. The observer sees the word as important, and therefore makes time for it and lines their life up with it and guards it. So go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. You know, some people call us word people, but it's not always true. Sometimes we're favorite word people. James 1 verse 21 wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls notice don't just receive the word receive it with meekness if you're receiving it with meekness it means you're receiving the way that I am going to do what it says I'm not gonna think that I know more than the word It goes on and says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. So a lot of church people are deceived because they hear the word and they don't do it. So they live in shadows. They live in deceptions. They live in lies because they haven't done the other part. And they wonder, why is it not working for me? The preacher said something really good. Why don't I see it? You heard it, but you didn't do it. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what man or man he was. So a person who hears the word and doesn't do it is like someone who wakes up in the morning, looks at himself in the mirror, and walks away and forget what they look like. One of the things you do, why? One of the reasons why you look at yourself in the morning in the mirror. Yes, I know you like the way you look and you're great. You woke up like this. Yeah, got it. But you also, to make sure, is there anything I need to fix before I go out the house? Is there any remains of slobber on my face that I need to wash away before I go out the house? Is my hair where it's supposed to be? Or if it's yours, if it's bald, however, is it still on my head? What do I need to fix before I go out the house? What do I need to make sure puts me in the best position to leave before I leave my doors? That's the same way the Word does. That when you look at the word, you're looking in a mirror. And the word will point out what in your life does not line up with the word. So you can either be a person who walks away and pretend everything's all right. Or you'll be the person, yeah, I need to make that adjustment. I need to fix this. I need to wash that off. I need to brush my teeth. I need to get this out of my eye. I need to make sure my nose is clear. I need to do all these different things. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, and continues therein, not just once, continues, the powers and consistency, the powers and faithfulness, the powers in continuing, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. It's the hearing continually and the doing continually. The doer of the one is one who acts on the word and lines up their life to the word. They do not try to make the word fit their life. They make their life fit the word. There is a difference. Some people like the way they're living, so they try to find a scripture to twist it to justify how they're living. They make doctrines of it. It's called heresy. Then there are other people who say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But I'm going to do my best with the help of the Holy Ghost and make sure my life adjusts to the word. It may take me some time. It may be a process, but I'm going to do whatever it takes so I start living the word. So it's a different attitude. The person who tries to twist the word to make it fit their life are not receiving the word with meekness. They're living in deception and are going to increase in deception. For those who hear the word with meekness and say, hey, I'm going to line my life up with the word. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's annoying, even if it's inconvenient, even if it'll cost me something, I'm going to line my life up with the word of God. So the observer sees the word as important and therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. The observer sees the word as important and therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. So go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 4. This is a psalm of David. And when we look at David's life, especially in his younger years, it would talk about after he came to the palace, before he was king, he was still just a psalmist, a warrior. It says, Saul sent himself out, the king James says, and he behaved himself wisely. Another translation said he prospered wherever he went. And what was one of the key of that? Psalm 119, verse 4. You have commanded us to keep or to guard your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to observe or to keep your statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. O oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 101 says, I have refrained my feet from the evil way that I might keep your word. So what is this? He's an observer. He loves the word. He's looking at the word. He's doing whatever it takes to do the word. He won't do whatever he wants to do or feels like doing if it's not according to the word. Why? The observer sees the word as important, therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. So we've talked about seeing it as important, making time for it, lining your life up with it. But how do you guard the word? Go to Mark chapter 4. The only reason you have to guard something is because someone is trying to harm it or steal it. It's like what God told Adam in the garden. Guard it. Keep it. Why? There's a snake coming. There's an enemy coming. You have to guard what's been given you. So Mark 4, 14, Jesus is giving the interpretation of the most important parable in the Word of God. And he says in verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately. Say immediately. Immediately. And takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. The reason you have to guard the word is right after you get it, Satan is coming to take it. Now, how does he take it? Notice the next examples. And these are they that are likewise with a sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, or receive it with a shout, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. So it's not like they don't endure, they just endure for a little while. Afterward, when affliction or persecution, affliction is pressure brought by circumstance, persecution is pressure brought by people. Arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. Entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which were sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Go to Luke 10. Go to Luke chapter 10. So as we talked before, Satan came for the Word with five different tactics. To steal the Word because the Word has power. The Word can change your life. The Word can defeat Satan's kingdom. The Word can stop the enemy. So Satan will come to steal it using pressure brought by people, pressure brought by circumstances, bring different lives, people being deceived by money. How's being deceived by money? It's believing a lie about money. What's a lie about money? All money is evil. That's a lie. The Bible doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of evil. Believing money will solve all your problems. That's a lie. Believing you should do whatever it takes to get money, no matter what you have to do to get it. That's a lie. So who bring lies about money. That's the deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, an inordinate desire about anything that you were willing to do whatever it takes to get over what the Word says. And then cares, distractions, the worries of the world. So he'll use those five things to crowd out, as well, that word choke means, the word. To push the word out of your heart so he can steal it. Now the thing is cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things come up from the soil, which is the heart of man. So what are they? Weeds that were sown by the enemy, sown by others, or sown by yourself. The thing about weeds is they just keep growing. You get a good rain, your yard may be perfect. The next day, there's a one-foot-tall weed. Where'd you come from? Last night, you weren't there. But a few hours later, there you are. So if you're not paying attention to the yard of your heart, weeds will spring up. And they will choke out what you have sown. So you have to carefully watch your heart because weeds grow faster than what you plant. You might say, well, where is the word? Why do I have all this care? Because weeds grow faster than the word. So that means if you want the word to produce 30, 60, 100 fold, you have to watch out for weeds. You have to watch out for worry. You got to watch out for stress. You got to watch out for distractions. You have to watch out for deceptions about money. You have to work, watch out for lust. You got to watch out for these different things so the weeds don't keep the good plants from growing. That's part of guarding the word. Guarding your heart to uproot the weeds or not plant the wrong things in your heart. Because your heart or your spirit is a production center. Whatever you put in, you are going to produce. So it says the one who guards the word guards his own soul. So if you guard the word, you're going to keep your heart and your soul in a position where the word can always produce. It's not does the word not work, it's do you work? He says, well, I don't like seeing in my life, but what did you plant in your heart? What have you let others plant in your heart? Everyone's not supposed to have access to your heart. Everyone doesn't have a right to speak into your life. I don't care what their title is, they don't have the right. Well, I'm a prophet. Everybody says they're a prophet these days. That doesn't mean they have a right to speak into your life. Well, they said on the news, that doesn't mean they have a right to speak into your life. I saw this on Facebook. That doesn't mean anything. You have to guard your heart. You have to watch what you let in. You have to watch what you watch on TV. Even if it's okay and legal for you to watch it, doesn't mean you need to watch it in whatever season you're in. There are certain things I can watch and like, I'm not dealing with that drama. I've got enough drama in my life, I don't need to watch it. And then some, just because I'm a pastor, I see certain shows, and I go into work mode. I said, that's six months of counseling? That's a year? Whoo, that's two years. Yeah, I, I can't watch this show. I went to a movie. I was thoroughly enjoying the movie, and I started analyzing the person in the theater. It's a show. I'm enjoying the movie greatly. Like, oh, yeah, he's dealing with this pride. He's dealing with this. Yeah, well, the Scripture says this about him. Character, you're supposed to be enjoying this movie. He doesn't exist. You can't counsel him. So you have to watch what you put in your heart. What are you letting in your eye gates? What are you letting in your ear gates? Guard the Word. Luke chapter 10. Verse 38, now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Man, Martha is doing good. Not only is she sees Jesus coming by and she invites him, Jesus says yes. And as we learn from the Scripture, Martha, Martha, her sister Mary, and brother Lazarus, they're all friends of Jesus. They are Jesus' close friends. Jesus trust them. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, which means Martha and Mary were sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach, listening to him preach, listening to him share. Now, when you think of this and imagine the situation, they're inside the house. There's probably less than 100 people in the room. you got Mary, Martha, the apostles, parts of other, the 70 that traveled with Jesus. They're all there. Think about the environment Jesus is in. He doesn't have Pharisees to deal with. He doesn't have to cast out any religious spirits, unclean spirits. These are his people. He is comfortable. He is at home. He is relaxed talking to them. He's not preaching to the crowd. When he studied the ministry of Jesus, when he preached to the crowd, he did certain things. But when he was with this intimate group, he explained everything. They could ask him questions, and Jesus told them what everything meant. He, the reason you have the interpretation in Mark chapter 4 is because after he finished preaching, the, not even the apostles, the other disciples with them, came up to Jesus and said, hey, what did that mean? He said, oh, you don't know what that means? You don't understand anything? You don't get it? Here's what it means. So this was a level of revelation that came from a place of intimacy, that came from a place of trust, that came from this friendship they had with Jesus. So he is teaching things that eyes had never seen, ears had never heard, that has entered into the heart of man, or at least in a way people haven't received it before. And as he's sharing, Martha jumps up. She's looking around. She's in her house. All these people must be hungry. I can't be known as a bad hostess. They're going to leave me a bad Yelp review when they leave my house. They're going to say, we came to listen to Jesus, but Martha didn't even give me any water. She didn't fry any chicken. She did not have hot sauce in her bag. She didn't do anything (laughs) to show hospitality. So Martha jumps up in the middle of Jesus' teaching, runs to the kitchen, and starts serving everybody. Now, serving bad? No, but she's serving everybody. Everybody. Hey, Jesus, you want something? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. You're teaching. Peter, (laughs) Judas, Matthew, Shaquita, come on. What do you want? Give me your orders. And oh, so she keeps doing it. Jesus keeps on teaching. is sitting at Jesus' feet learning. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said. Another translation says she came and stood over Jesus. I imagine Jesus is still teaching. Not only did she jump up and I was being a distraction. She comes up behind Jesus, stands over him, and says, Jesus, don't you care about me? Tell my sister right there to get up and help me. She has interrupted the word himself, giving the word. And she thinks she's in the right. And what did Jesus say? Martha, Martha, Martha. Let the braid a bunch. You are careful and troubled about so many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. There was a lot of things of that day. There was a lot of parts of that day, but Mary was wise enough to choose the good part. You know, there was a certain movie that came out last week, and I won't give any spoilers. There was a lot of parts of that movie that were good. But there's that one part that defined the movie that makes everybody on Facebook and social media talk about. It's that one part, the most important part. Mary chose the important part. And what she said, it won't be taken from her. Now, who would take it from Mary? Jesus, no. Satan. So Mary has gotten to the place where Satan can't take the word from her. But Martha lost the word they both started at Jesus feet one of them guarded the word and kept it one of them got distracted by serving and lost it serving is not wrong you should serve but there's an order of importance I had a professor said if Jesus comes to your house You don't need to cook a meal. That's when you order out. What's most important? You say, well, I would never stand over Jesus. Yes, you would. I would never interrupt the word. Yes, you would. Think about all the time you have to get the word throughout your day and how much time you actually do it. Yeah, you would. We all would. We can't say, oh, Martha was crazy. We all got the same type of crazy. What do we run to? What do we turn from? How easily distracted are we when we're trying to read the word? We just run through, oh, got to finish this chapter. My gosh. Got to read this chapter. Uh, da, da, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm done. Let me go dip with my day. It's not important. We don't value it. We're not cherishing it. It's just the book. When there's other people in the world who don't even have the book, who so if they get one page, it changes their life. And we got, The whole book, 105 translations, the printed book in our house, the digital book on our phone, on our iPad, and on computer. But we don't value it and cherish it as we should. So we're not guarding it. So weeds grow in the hearts of word people. And so they get the fruit of weeds instead of the fruit of the word. Go back to Joshua 1. You have to make sure when you make time for the Word, you have to keep your distractions minimal because everything will try to distract you. Now, what if something happens, Pastor, where I just have to go and deal with it? Well, go and deal with it, but make sure that day you still come back to the Word. Well, I don't have time. Well, you got time to eat. You got time for the Word. You got time for your favorite TV show? You got time for the Word. See, Rick Renner, the scholar of the Greek that he is, took it to one level. When he was trying to get himself in a habit, he says, well, if I don't read the Word, I'm not going to eat that day. He said, I won't eat till I read the Word. Now, how many of you like to eat? Some of us, if we took that same mindset, we'd be Word champions. Right before we eat, we go to a scripture. Because Don't let you be a foodie. See, this is what Smith-Wordsworth did. They would go out to eat their enjoy meal. And he'll pull out his New Testament from his pocket and he says, well, now that we've fed our bodies, let's feed our spirits. And he'll read a chapter from the Word of God. He was making time to get the Word in his heart. Being an observer. See, one thing you have to understand about the observer, the observer prospers. Go back to Joshua 1 verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, turn out from the right hand to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, and you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. So obviously God wants you to prosper, be prosperous, and have good success. This phrase, may us prosper, from verse 7, means to deal wisely, to prosper, to have good success. So he says, if you do this with the word, if you observe, you're going to deal wisely in life, you're going to prosper, and you're going to have good success. This word prospers, from verse 8, means to push forward, to break out, to be profitable, and to prosper. So if you're an observer, you're going to deal wisely in life. You're going to have good success, you're going to advance, you're going to push forward, you're going to break out anything that tries to contain you, you're going to be profitable, and you're going to prosper. The observer, by observing the word, puts themselves on the path of the blessing. The observer, by observing the word, puts themselves on the path of the blessing. Go to Psalm 1. The observer, by observing the word, puts themselves on the path of the blessing. He says, you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. So as I'm praying, oh, God, I want success. Oh, God, I want success. You become an observer. You'll make your way prosperous. You will have good success. It's not might be, not maybe, not if the economy is right. You will have good success if you're an observer of the word. And the observer sees the word as important therefore makes time for it, lines their life up with it, and guards it. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, his word does he meditate day and night. What's the result? And he shall be like a tree Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Whatsoever. Observing the word will make you wise and enable you to prosper in every area of life. See, in order to prosper in every area of life and advance in the promised land, You have to be an observer of the Word. You might say, well, I see other people who don't observe the Word, and they prosper. Yeah, they prosper in one area, but how many other areas suffer? They prosper financially, but the health is in shambles. Or they prosper in the health and financially, but their family thinks they're crazy and doesn't want to be around them. They prosper in one area while they sacrifice another. But those who become observers in the Word... Prosper in every area of life. It's not just trying to find balance. Oh, how can I balance everything? No, no, no. The word will show you not just how to balance, but to prosper, to advance, to have good success in every area of life if you're an observer. That means you can't be a favorite word person, you have to be a word person. I like what the message version says about verse 2 and 3. It says, Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. It says, You're replanted in Eden. Think about Eden there was never any lack, there was never any issues. The curse was in the earth, but it wasn't an Eden. The curse had even formed yet. Now there's parts of the earth that weren't under the blessing, the wilderness or the field, as it's called in Genesis. But Eden was paradise. Everything planted in Eden prospered. You didn't have to go, is this organic? Is this part of the keto diet? Is this gluten-free? Will this cause me to do this? Will this cause me to do that? No, everything was great. It was Eden. Replanted in Eden. What does that mean? You're an observer of the word on that level. It takes you to life before the fall. It takes you to a place like sin never happened. It takes you to a place like Adam never bowed down to Satan. It takes you to this wonderful place called grace. Which is God's willingness to treat you like sin never even happened. But that's Sunday. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the encouragement and the exhortation of the Holy Ghost. Help us be an observer. Show us where we haven't made the word important. Show us where we haven't lined up our life to it. Show us how we haven't made time for it. Show us where we've not guarded it. Help us to go to the next level in being an observer of the word so that we can prosper wherever we go. And in whatever we do, we can prosper being replanted in Eden, living like sin in the fall, never even happened. We thank you for your help, Holy Ghost. We thank you for your word tonight, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me now, forgive me of my sins, fill me with your spirit, and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.